Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. God's good. God's good. Um, I, I love seeing the kids in the service, and I know for some of you it, it might be distraction, and to some of the parents it might be, you know, I how can I praise and worship when I have to watch my kids? But I have to tell you, uh, we are raising up a new generation. And uh, the person they're going to learn the most from is you. Uh, your worship and the way you love God is going to speak to them way louder than what I will. So, so I want to encourage you in your worship, teach your children about your love for God. Um, let them see it. Um, I, I love that they're in here. We're going to pick up on our um, series of Elijah, and I was planning to finish it off this week, and then I'm not going to. We'll go one more week. We'll go next week. We'll finish it off because um, I just have too much that I still want to share to you with you um, about this incredible man. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 18, 38, we're going to do a quick recap, uh, and it says the following, Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood, and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. Now, for some of you, you might be new to church. You've never been to church. You don't have no background about church. Um, I know reading um, a passage like that in 1 Kings 38, you might think to yourself, you know, I don't really know what that is about. But what I want to get across to you this morning is that God is powerful. God is real. And God loves you. And He loves me. And He's got a plan for you. And He has a plan for me. And His plans are good. It's not against you. He's for you. It's not looking to see when you make mistakes. He's actually looking after you when you make them so that they won't overcome you, so that you have a way and a means to move forward. When you go through darkness and difficulties, that you have hope that you didn't have before. God is on your side. And with all of that being said, it really comes down to a relationship that He wants with you and a relationship that He wants with me. We spoke about the fire of God and, and, and we spoke about the Yosemite Park um, listen, I just want to say, Y-O-S-E-M-I-T-E does not spell Yosemite. It says Yoshmite. So we spoke about the Yoshmite Park um, and the firefall that happens there or that happened there and that, that stopped in, in 1970 uh, 1969, about the firefall that used to happen where, where the, the big logs of fire would be lit on this granite mountaintop and they would push it over the side and it would look like a waterfall of fire. And, and we spoke about the ranger when the person came back and said, when is the firefall? And the ranger's response was, the fire doesn't fall here anymore. The fire doesn't fall here anymore. And, and I hope those words about the fire of God not falling anymore, I hope it's been rumbling in you. I hope it's been stirring in you. Is the fire of God still falling in your life? 
Is the fire of God still present in your life? And allow me just to explain again fire, because I know we, we've seen different representations of what the fire of God is. And I want us to have an accurate understanding of, of what I mean by the fire of God, having a desire for the fire of God in your life. Number one, the fire of God is a symbol of deity. Number two, the fire of God is a symbol of acceptance and approval by God. Number three, this fire of God is a symbol of God's presence. How does that translate into our everyday life, in the lives of believers? The fire of God, number one, being a symbol of deity, it is that awe, that awe of knowing that there is a creator greater than what I am. That there is a God that is all-powerful, that has the ability that no matter what difficulty or situation you are going through right now, that He is greater than all of that. He is the creator of all things. His ways are higher than my ways. The question regarding the fire of God and the awe of God in your life, if the fire of God is still falling in your life, do you see your opinions and your ways as equal to God's ways or are God's ways higher than yours? Do you see your understanding and your knowledge better than God's knowledge or equal to His knowledge? Or are you at a place where you're submitted to going, God, I don't understand everything that you are saying to me, but you are God and I am not. Is that all? For God in your home and in your life where I am, I stand back when I read His Word and I go, God, this is your Word. Who am I to question you? Is that fire for God in your life? The second part about the fire uh, being a symbol of acceptance and approval by God. Is there fruit in my life? Is there fruit See, my life is supposed to be a living sacrifice following God's instructions. A living sacrifice for many of us sounds scary. What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? A living sacrifice actually means that I'm going to do things God's way. And when I do things His way, even when I don't understand it, there will be fruit that others will see. There will be fruit that is visible, that will transform and touch people's lives. God will start burning away the chaff. He will start burning away the nonsense and the sins and the unforgiveness. He will start burning away the areas where my struggles keep holding me down. I will start having victories, but it starts with the awe of God. Then it moves to God being present in my life. And when He is present in my life, when I start doing His things His way, when I place Him above myself and above culture and above what I think good knowledge is, when I go, God, you know more than what I do, then there's a place of God being with me. And that is seen in His approval in my life, in me and in my conduct, doing and choosing to do things His way. We will become visible fire bearers. Number three, the fire is a symbol of God's presence. Now, what's the difference between him burning in me, burning away the chaff and him being present? The difference is people will look at my life and say, something is different in you. People will look and, and they, they will say, when you speak, there's wisdom. Why is that? When you are present, there is peace. Where your hands touch, there is blessing. 
when you came into the room and prayed for me, there was healing. You brought a joy that others have not been able to bring into it. Why is that, that you have that? And it's because it's a symbol of God's presence. God will be present in you. And this is crucial. Because the fire of God produces life. And God's presence will not repel people. God's fire will not push people away. It will attract them. If fire repels you, it's not God. Man has misrepresented the fire of God. And I think it's unfortunate because the fire of God is something that is beautiful. It's something that is attractive. It's something that every single one of us should desire. Now, I want to tell you, I'm, I am, I am a hungry for more of the fire of God in my life. I'm hungry for a greater awe of Him. But, but like Montana said earlier, you know, that, that, that um, at Malibu camp, when you sit in the mountains, if you are not at a place where you are hungry for God's beauty, you won't even see it. If you are not hungry for, to become more aware of God's greatness, it will not find you. You have to be hungry for more of the fire. I'm hungry for more of the fire. It's not something to be scared of. It's something that you should desire. And you know why? Because the fire is necessary for growth. If you want to grow, you need God's fire. In, Car in California, um, where they, they have these, the, the great redwood trees that grow there. Um, and they had a problem years ago, some years ago, because the trees were dying out. They're becoming extinct. Because what would happen is that the rangers were so careful when, when fire breaks out because of lightning that would strike they would quickly be on it through technology and, and they would just put the fires out quicker and quicker and quicker so, so the fires won't burn to heat. And what happens is because the fire is not burning with heat, it doesn't burn away the crustration of the seeds. The seeds couldn't germinate and therefore new trees weren't springing up and they almost became extinct. I want you to understand what I'm saying. Before the park rangers had the technology and all the modern things um, they had, that when lightning would strike in the forest and a fire would start, the fire would burn and it would get hotter and hotter. I'm really sounding American, hotter, 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 hamburger, hot dog. Um, the fire would get warmer and hotter and it would burn. And it would burn away the callousness, the hardness of the seed. It would be burned off so that that seed would germinate into a new crop and a new generation of redwoods would spring up. But when they started putting the fire out and not letting it burn hot, The next generation, 
and the next generation of trees. They were hard-hearted. And that's what's happening in churches all over the world and in Christianity. There's a hard heart because we have church rangers that want to put out the fire of God. They try to control the fire and they try to manipulate it. And some have grown cold and calloused and allowed incrustation to grow around your hearts and around your minds. But if we will let the fire fall again, if you become hungry for the fire of God in your life again, it can burn away that shell of coldness. You can become passionate about God again. It can burn away the shell of worldliness where you just accept everything that culture brings your way. It can burn the way the shell of indifference, majoring on minors. It can burn away the minors so that we can focus on the majors again. It can change our hearts. And if we get on fire, our children will get on fire. Man, I am passionate about my kids. I'm extremely passionate about them. I would move a mountain if I could for them. I am passionate about transferring the fire of God from me to them. Every responsible parent here, and if you're going to be a parent one day, and maybe you don't have kids, but most of us have a will, a testimony. And and that will consist of that which we want to pass on to the next generation. It reflects the accumulation of goods and resources that we have attained and acquired during our lifetime. A house, houses, how nice would that be? A car, cars, would be nice to pass that along, wouldn't it? Bank account, would be nice to pass along an inheritance, material things, things of value. The question that I want to raise today through the life of Elijah is what kind of spiritual legacy are you leaving behind? When my dad passed, my dad passed away about four years ago. Now, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. Okay, so this is me showing you a little bit of my flesh. I did not get an inheritance. I got nothing, and I was disappointed in it. I was like, my dad left me nothing. Even now, I'm like, I'm still upset about that. Like, <laughs> material. But my dad left me something spiritual. My dad loved God. I remember growing up telling people, I think the closest thing to an angel I know is my father. That legacy, oh, it's worth so much. So the question I have for you in your life, how much of God are you leaving behind? 
Somebody from our congregation passed away this week, and um, I do not like hospitals. Just want to say that if you, listen, if you're in the hospital and you see me to come and visit you, you need to know <laughs> how big, like I honestly, I despise hospitals. I do not like them. I don't like going there. I don't like being in one. I don't even like driving past one. I despise hospitals. And we had somebody in our congregation that passed away. And as I'm walking towards um, the room just to go pray um, with her husband and to pray over her, walking down the aisle and there's just dead people, kind of people that have passed away, <laughs> which makes me even like hospitals less. Seeing the one body after the next down the hallway because they, this is kind of where they gathered them to take them to where they have to go. So that they, uh, Listen, death is real. I don't know if you know this. It's coming for all of us. None of us can escape it. That lady passed away. And one thing that I loved about what she said, I spoke to her husband and I said to you, you know what? God can be your strength during this time. And he said to me the following. He said, you know what? She showed me in her last moments how much God is our strength. Listen to that legacy of somebody who just died. The testimony over her was she showed me God's strength even in her last breath. How much of God are you transferring? You don't have to have kids. But if you do, this message is for those of you that have kids, going to have kids, thinking about kids, maybe even have older kids. How much of God are you transferring to them? It says in Proverbs 22, 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, <laughs> I want to tell you already now, I'm going to step on some toes this morning. So these are loving steps on the toes. Um, it is with the intention to encourage you. Because we all need correction and we all need encouragement. Because why? The fire will cause growth. If I want to grow, I have to be exposed to the fire of God. The fire of God is the awe of God. His ways are better than my ways. It's God's presence receiving my life as a sacrifice. The way I do things and then the fire of God is Him being present that people can see Him on me and in me. So train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. God, God never meant for the program that you are in, the relationship that you are in, He never meant for it to stop. His intention of your conviction into Christianity, being a believer, His intention is for that to become your legacy. God's intention for you is a legacy of Him. All throughout Scripture, his plans and His programs in the world would be carried forth from one generation to another. But if the fire doesn't fall, you're going to have seed that is hard-hearted and that will struggle to receive whatever God has for them. Man, I love God's Word. Isn't it challenging? Isn't it challenging to, to reflect and go, oh, where am I at in my life? What do I want to transfer? 
Like I study in the week and I go through it. And, and Ermi sometimes, she's like, where's your mind? Like, what are you thinking about? And my mind is on these things because I want to teach them and I want to show them to you. But in it, I'm so challenged. So it is true. God's spiritual family, the reason why God wants you associated with a spiritual family and with a church and in an environment like this is because your spiritual legacy is important. It is critical and it is vital. When a leader leaves and there's nothing left behind, that's a poor leader. That's poor leadership. Because the whole idea is to carry forward spiritual legacy. Legacy that makes a big deal about a great God. So I have the question now today to you and to me and, and to all of us. The question is, what is your spiritual legacy? What will be said about you? How much of the supernatural are you leaving behind for the generations to come? Second Kings chapter 2, um, it says the following, When he had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, two different people, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, Please, let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Elisha tells Elijah, I want twice as much of God as you have. I want twice as much of God as you have. Now, now if you are not a believer or in faith or, or somebody that, that believes in Christ or have accepted Christ in your life, many people have a poor opinion about God and Christianity. Do you think Elisha had a poor opinion about what Elijah had in his life? If the fruit of Elijah, the fruit that Elijah saw in a, Elisha saw in Elijah, I'm trying, the fruit that Elisha saw in Elijah's life was off-putting, I am sure Elisha would not have made that his request. I want double as much of anger as you have. I want double the, the, the jealousy. I want a double portion of your bitterness and your unforgiveness. I want a double portion of your lust and your perversion. I want a double portion of your, your addictions. I want a double portion of that, Elijah. We all know that that was not the case. Elisha wanted something that was of value and that was attractive. Something that was powerful and life-changing. And he said, I don't just want the same as you have. I want double what you have. Can your kids say that about you, dad? I want double the amount of God that my dad has. For some of you, like my dad's got none, so I'm pretty good. Mom, I want, double of, uh, I want double the portion of God 
that you've got in your life. I want, the, I want double of that. I want double the kindness. I want double the gentleness, the grace. I want double the insight and the wisdom. I want double just the acceptance and the mercy and the goodness and the fruit. I want double of that because I see it in your life and it's so attractive. And man, I'm hungry for double of that. And I will do something to get it. I want double. I want double the fruit. And when you read the life of Elisha, which is so amazing and awesome, is in 2 Kings, you will discover that he did double the miracles that Elijah did. Serve a faithful God. So he makes the request for more of God, which means he made the spiritual more important than the material. You asked you asked me what I want, Elijah. I want a double God. Now, Elijah responds, and Elijah says to him, verse 10, he said, you have asked a hard thing. You've asked a hard thing. Getting double of God is not easy. Having doubled the relationship and, and, and living in the fruit of who Christ was, which is the most loving person who's ever walked on the face of the earth, living within that fruit is not always easy. It's hard to forgive people who don't deserve forgiveness. It's hard to, to bless our enemies. So he says, you want double? He said, nevertheless, this is his response. You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. For if not, it shall not be so. so. So when I'm taken out of here by God, if you see me go, you'll get a double portion. But if I'm taken out of here by God, and if you don't see me go, you won't get a double portion. So you're going to see what you see is what you get. Now what he was saying to him is, listen, if you keep going after me, if you keep following my direction and you're going to see how I'm, I'm going to serve God, if you keep your eyes focused on the spiritual and see how I am focused on the spiritual, you will see what you get. Now let's go back just for a moment to, to um, 1 Kings 19. Everybody's still good. Everybody's still with me. Good. It's very quiet. I hope it's a good thing. I hope it's because we are, not because you're sleeping, but because you are thinking and kind of for yourself going through where I'm at. What am I doing? First Kings 19 verse 19. This is where Elijah meets Elisha. So he departed from there and found Elisha. Elisha Elijah finds Elisha, the son of Shaphat, while he was plowing with 12 pairs of oxen before him. And he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed over him and threw a mantle on him. In other words, Elijah dubbed Elisha as his successor. He's the guy that's going to follow me. Now, Elisha had 12 pairs of oxen. So if you have 12 pairs of oxen, it means that you were rich. It means that you had a lot of wealth. Because you would plow a lot of lands and a lot of fields with 12 pairs of oxen. He was living the good life. Elijah was living a life of luxury. He already had his, his path set out for him. You're going to follow in dad's footsteps. You have a material inheritance already lined up for you. 
But then Elijah passes by and he says, you are going to be the one that's selected to follow, follow me. You're going to be the next prophet. Elijah says to Elijah these words. He says, um, this is Elijah. Elisha saying to Elijah, Elijah throws his mantle on Elisha and Elisha says, he left the oxen, verse 20, and ran after Elijah and, see, and said, please let me kiss my father and mother. Then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back. For what have I done for you? So he returned from following him, took the pair of oxen, sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen, gave it to the people, and they ate. And then he arose and he followed Elijah and ministered to him. Did you catch that? Did you see what Elisha did? You see, if you're going to get more of God, you got to kiss something goodbye. If you're going to get more of God, you cannot just carry on as usual. you got to kiss your family goodbye. He had to. He had to kiss his oxen goodbye and boil them. And then eat them. Um, which you can't waste meat, which I'm totally for. Um, he had to kiss his big home goodbye. Has to kiss his for sure set inheritance of being the next owner of the family land goodbye. Had to kiss his servants goodbye. See, the reason why we don't get more of God is most of us don't want to kiss anything goodbye. We've become so attached. We've become so comfortable with just the way we do things. I go to church on Sundays. I've got my church, I've got my seat, serving this one ministry. That's kind of my thing that I do. We've become so comfortable. We've become so committed to our comfort that when God wants to take us to a new spiritual level, we are so embracing where we are that we're not willing to make any sacrifices to get more of Him. Most people here, if, if I look over the group, most of you have got a um, high school diploma, most of you have a college education. Some of you spent four years in college to get a degree. Some of you trade school. You've got a good skill, good job, good work. You are qualified. Some of you have studied further. We've got doctors in the house. We have people that have their master's degrees. And what this means is that, that you made a value decision. You made a decision that for me to go further in this world, I have to increase my education. I have to make some sacrifices so that I can become more hireable with the skills that I've obtained, so that I can become, potentially earn more money, potentially have a greater career and have the ability to climb the ladder where others might not because they didn't make the same sacrifice. So you made a decision based on what you wanted to accomplish it now, in the natural. Some of you are making that decision now. I know we've got many students here that are studying, writing exams. You're investing in your education. You're increasing your value for the world. And you did it at a great sacrifice, homework, when your friends went out. 
internship. In the summer, when everybody else went on summer holidays, you worked. Morning shifts, evening shifts, when nobody else wants to work, you worked. Extra work to pay off your student debt or so that you can go study. You worked hard. So you perceive that the value of the sacrifice that you were making and the things that you were giving up, you said to yourself, it's worth it. It's worth the work. The reward is worth the investment. It's amazing the effort that people would put forth in order to gain more in this world. It's amazing. The sacrifices that people make. I look at some people, the way they study and work and study and work and study, and I'm at awe at how much they are doing in order just to achieve those goals for this world. Why are we not willing to put any effort or work into the spiritual world? To gain ground in that world. I know so many of you, you can probably attest, you probably have a testament that my kids saw me studying late nights. My kids saw me working a job the whole day. I come home, I study late nights so that I can go further. You've got a testimony of that. And for some other reason, we do not have a testimony about the spiritual world. We will not make any sacrifices to gain more of God. We, want, we will not make any sacrifices to gain anything there. But we want to gain the things from there. We just don't want to do anything and we're just not willing to give up anything for God. Do your family see you make any sacrifices in your life for God? If you want double of God, you will have to kiss some good things goodbye. Things that you think that are good, you're going to have to kiss some things goodbye. Bad habits. You want more of God? You're going to have to kiss those habits goodbye. And you can do it. Wrong friendships. Dangerous relationships. Late Saturday nights partying. Why would you kiss that goodnight? Oh, goodbye. You don't want to kiss it goodnight. Why do you want to kiss it? <laughs> then that night's way too late. Um, why do you want to kiss that goodnight? Because, not goodnight, goodbye. Stop kissing it goodnight. Why do you want to kiss it goodbye? Because you value Sunday mornings. Because you value being in church, being refreshed to worship, to bless others, and to receive from God. Because it becomes a value to you of a greater value than Saturday night's kissing. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just going to roll with it now. Maybe for some of you, it might mean that you have to adjust your budget. So that you can bring your first, your tithe to your storehouse. So that you can bless God's house. Maybe you have to adjust your budget so that you can be known as being a generous person that looks after other people. 
See, every man in the Bible, man by meaning man and woman, person in the Bible, that God called to a higher experience had to say goodbye to something. Every single one of them. But for most of us, we want to audit the Christian life. Choose the things that we want. Just give me the information. Andreas, you know, I really enjoy going to Sunday mornings. I love listening to the Word. I love the music. It's amazing. But all I really want is the information. Don't ask anything else from me or encourage me to bring change to my life. We want more of God, but we don't want to make any sacrifices in our lives to get more of Him. See, fathers, fathers, John Meyer had it right. A guy that doesn't know God said, be good to your daughters. Daughters will love like you do. He understood the legacy of what we are leaving behind as fathers. Mothers, be good to your daughters too. Because the world understands that there is something we're leaving behind. We know there is material, but listen. What are you doing with the spiritual? We want to leave them with wealth because most of us think that's the most important thing. But I want to tell you, your spiritual legacy, it's of way more value. Church, Christianity, the Word, Jesus, God who we serve, what I'm leaving behind is I'm leaving behind morals. I'm leaving behind values that I have a Bible. I've got a standard that I go to. Values, guidelines for life, for marriage, for parenting, for forgiveness, for joy. I'm not only leaving them an example of joy, but I'm leaving them the person of joy. I'm not leaving them my peace that I had with me. I'm leaving them the person of peace, purpose, faith. Hope, relationship, comfort. You're setting your kids up for the future with God. It's awesome. When I have the understanding that my, my children is going to come, they're going to be confronted with choices. I have the comfort of knowing because of whom I've raised them up to be in Christ Jesus. When those choices come, I have the comfort to know they will choose life. Because we model it. We live it. It's the fire of God in our lives. Um, worship team can come up. You will have no spiritual legacy if you're not willing to make some sacrifices for it. I asked them to put that on there, and I want you to read that. You will have no spiritual legacy if you are not willing to make some sacrifices for it. Say it once more. You will have no spiritual legacy if you're not willing to make sacrifices for it. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes the sacrifices we make for our spiritual legacy is hard. 17 years ago, almost to the day, I flew out of South Africa to Canada because I felt that God was calling us to come and minister here. It was out of obedience stepping out to follow God's directing. 
I want to tell you it was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Stepping away from your parents, your siblings, your friends. Stepping away from your career, wealth, house cleaner, gardener, nice cars. Stepping away from fame and fortune. But my heart was, I want a double portion of God. And, and when you follow God's directing, even the hard things that you are doing, when you see the reward of them, man, taking a look back 17 years ago, if I knew now what I, if I known then what I knew now, I would have made those steps without even thinking twice about it. Because in my life, I haven't only received the double portion of God. I've received the double portion over and over and over and over and over again. Sometimes I thought God called me to come and minister to the people here. And then what I realized when I look back at my life, God called me because here, because he saved me from where I was going there. But it was out of obedience. Obedience will call us to make hard decisions. It will. But in obedience, that's where you find more of God. It's a lifestyle. I'm not done yet. I'm not done following God. It's not a once-off step out and follow God. It is a continual, I want my kids to look at my life and go, my dad never stopped following. Never. I want to keep pursuing him. He's directing where he's going. I want that to be our legacy. Man, if we can come out of this and I can see the generations to come that's sitting here, can you imagine the generations to come have that testimony of the legacy that we're leaving behind is we have a God that is absolutely amazing. And we're going to see miracles and signs and wonders and joy and blessing and peace and comfort. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. What happens next um, is what we're going to look at next week in, in chapter 19. Because there is a gap between Elisha receiving the mantle and receiving the double portion. There's a gap. And we need to know what to do between the decision of saying, I'm going to follow and receiving the blessing. There are things that need to take place in our lives. And next week, we're going to look at that. We'll, we'll conclude next week, uh, if all things go well, with Elijah. But here's the question I want to leave you with. And this is what we'll finish with today. Are you hungry for the fire of God in your life? Because if you are not, you've got nothing to leave behind. Are there some adjustments that you have to make, that you need to make in your life? And it's not just for you, but you're thinking about the generations to come, that you need to make the adjustments for them. Is it maybe time again, <laughs> parents, to become the parent in your home? I'm passionate about kids, please hear me. I am. 
Is it time to become the parent again? And please don't be offended by this. Many parents think that their kids know what's good for them. Many kids think they know what's good for them. And they might know to some degree. But here's the thing. If you believe and you know that God is not just good, but He is the best for them, I don't want to say make. But if you know God is the best for them, you will lead. And you will tell them, you're going to church. You will tell them, you're going to youth. You're going to go to youth conferences. You're going to do everything you possibly can to expose them to God's goodness as much as you possibly can. Even if they sit in the service, I'm okay with it, playing on their phones. At least they are surrounded by God's presence and they hear His word regarding His plans and His birth. And I make this commitment to you. I will never break down any child in the service. God's presence is here because we're here. Now, they might, might not like it, and that's okay. We don't like veggies, but we make them eat it because it's good for them. They like staying up as late as possible, but we make them go to bed. Why? Because we know what's good for them. We watch and we keep our eye on their social media activity, on their devices. And we say no to some things. Why? Because we know what's bad for them. We don't allow our kids to watch porn. Even if they say to you they really like it. Why? Because we know it's bad for them. We know where it leads. We know it can break down their relationships and their marriages for the future. What legacy are you leaving behind regarding the fire of God in your home? Is God optional? Last image. When you make fire, I'm surprised with, with how young people don't know how to make fire. Um, we, we have a big fire pit in our backyard where we sometimes we have the youth over and, and I would say to them, just make fire. And then they would go, I don't know how to make fire. And then I have to show them how to make fire. Montana knows now by young people, I mean. But, but, but here's the thing about fire. When you have a fire and you make it with coals, if you've ever made a fire with charcoal, you can get them to where the coals are red burning hot. And if you have to touch it with your hand, you can burn third degree burns. It's not a good idea to do it. The, the, the coal is hot. It's burning. But what happens is when you do take that coal and you remove it from the fire, 
and you put it on its own, what happens to it is it starts adjusting to the surrounding temperature. It starts becoming more like what it is surrounded with. Because it's not connected to fire. The fire will go out and they will grow cold. That's why church is important. That's why life groups are important. That's why worship and worship music and having our kids in here, that's why it is important. That's why gathering with other believers stir you up to encourage you, to lift you up. That's why it's important because if we don't, the fire goes out. And COVID has caused many, many homes Families where the fire has gone out because they've disconnected from the body of God. And we need to bring that connection back. So we're going to sing once, one more song. The song is called The Heart of Worship. And I want to give you time this morning. If you don't know the song, don't sing it. But I want to give you, you can stand and sing, you can sit wherever you're at. But I want you to get back to what the heart of relationship with God is. God is about you loving me and me receiving that love. And fathers, mothers, dads, fathers-to-be, mothers-to-be, youth, young people, all of you in here, desire the fire of God for your life. I can't give it to you. You are the only one that can make a decision that you want more of it. Let's sing. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the Word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.